Come on, on this 4th of July, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? You're in the house. Happy 4th. And it's good to see everybody here today. Thank you for those of you that regularly attend our 11 a.m. worship experience. You've adjusted your schedules to be here with us at our 9 a.m. And man, what an incredible uh, morning it's been. But honestly, what an incredible just few months that we've experienced together together as Calvary Church. We're continuing to grow together. We're continuing to uh, be discipled in God's grace. And uh, I'm excited for uh, not only today, but I'm excited for the next uh, message series that we're going to have. And uh, I hope that you're a part of it. Today, um, we are celebrating our freedom in Christ. How many of you know that you're free in Christ? You are. You're free in Christ. This is what we normally talk about here at Calvary Church. Go with me today to the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. We're going to start there, but we'll come back to it in just a few moments. You know what I love about summer weekends like this one, specifically 4th of July? Not only do we get to honor men and women who gave their lives so that we can enjoy specific freedoms here but guess what we get to be around family we get to be around friends and there's all kind of community events that are going on this weekend right and there's many people who are even traveling today and really enjoying their post-pandemic liberties because this time last year Guess what? Most things were shut down. But you and I, we get the opportunity to enjoy freedom. And real quick, I just want to honor anybody that gave their time to this country. If you could just please stand right now. Let us honor you. If you are here, if you are able. Come on, can you give God praise for this? Come on, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. I love freedom. I love that we get to experience it. And and as wonderful as our our freedom may be in this country, listen to me when I say this, that believers must remember that the things of this world are temporary. What we do here at Calvary Church, North Fort Worth, is we allow you to engage with the eternal realities that God has promised you. The hope that you sang just a moment ago is to that point. Because while our eyes are fixed down here, while our emotions get attached to what we see in the natural realm, listen, as your church, as your pastor, as your community, we're constantly going to point you to the eternal truth of what God believes about you and what God believes about your situation. And so we have to remember that everything in this world is temporary meaning that no nation no matter how powerful it may be it's not going to last forever we can just take a look at the history books right from the Egyptians to the Assyrians to Babylonians the Greeks the Romans the Ottomans the British come on we need to maintain that perspective that everything in this world is temporary This is, however, a kingdom that is 
eternal. The kingdom of God that Jesus established here on earth through you and me, that is eternal. And that's what you and I get to celebrate each and every moment. Listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 9. He says this, that this, dom- that this kingdom will have dominion and it will be vast. And its prosperity will never end. That's good news for us today. Because when I look at my life and when I look at our society, everybody's worrying about running out. Running out of money, running out of faith, running out of purpose. But the kingdom that Jesus established on the earth through you and I, you just heard it just a moment ago, that the prosperity of it will never end. Can I remind you today that you are a tree that's planted near living waters, that no matter what season is happening around you, no matter what your neighbors are talking about they don't have, what doesn't matter what, what the politic what the politicians are saying that is going to happen. Hey, you are a tree that's planted by living waters, meaning this, that you will flourish in every season. You'll prosper. You'll grow. You'll grow. And so because of that, understand that there is one ultimate kingdom and the ultimate one king. And we know who that king is. It is Jesus Christ the one that came to die and raise for us, and now we carry his very existence on the inside of us. And he has established earthly kingdoms like the United States to carry out his kingdom purposes and others. And I believe that the greatest, greatest part of this kingdom is you and I. You and I. But let's talk about it today because sadly there are many people who don't experience freedom. They don't. There are many, many citizens that are not living in freedom but in bondage to things of this world. For instance, drug addiction. Did you know that close to one million Americans are addicted to to meth? Close to 5 million Americans are regular cocaine users. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. What about financial stress? 70% of Americans are dangerously close to a major financial crisis in their personal life. Depression. 17 million Americans confess to having at least one major depressive season in in their life. And the numbers have skyrocketed since COVID. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you that these so-called freedoms that we have, are we really free like we declare? Why are so many so-called free Americans living not so free lives? Are you hearing me this morning? Because why we celebrate our freedom because of this country I'm telling you that you and I can celebrate our freedom pertaining to our soul. Because while we declare freedom all day long, our soul is trapped and it's in bondage. But I'm here to tell you that the church's message, Calvary North Fort Worth, as we continue to declare the gospel, we're going to continue to declare what Jesus declared over you, freedom for your soul. Freedom for your soul. 
And I believe that as we take a look at Galatians chapter 5, it's going to answer some questions, some things like this. Why aren't so many people living free lives? First, let me give you a bit of context before we dig into this. Understand that the book of Galatians was written about 50 years after Jesus was crucified. So here it is. Paul is writing to a group of people in this region. And today we know as modern day Turkey, but he was spreading the gospel to this new region. And Paul is taking an issue with this young church. And here's the issue. If Christ has set us free, what does that mean in my everyday life? And I'm sure just by hearing that, you've probably contemplated that question yourself. If Christ has set us free, am I really free? If Christ has set us free, what am I free from? Here we go. What am I free for? Questions about freedom. So on this 4th of July, this Sunday, we've called it Freedom Experience. Let's answer some questions today. And again, today as we celebrate our country's freedom, hey, I'm asking you, like, let's, let's do that, but let's also celebrate our soul's freedom together. Go ahead, take your right hand, set it on your heart. Come on, repeat after me. Eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mouth to confess. All the good things. Come on, mean that. All the good things Christ has provided for me. Come on, you believe that? Give Jesus some praise right now. All right, let's answer this question. I hope you're following along with your Calvary Church app or you're writing notes today. First question is this, am I really free? Am I really free? And the basic answer to this question is yes, you are free. However, this freedom was not secured by a nation or a military. This freedom that we are discussing today, it was secured by Jesus, who is known as the Messiah. Listen to John 8.36, declares this, if the Son sets you free, you're freely, you're really free. Another translation says that you're free indeed. You're free. And so at the heart of this question is the bedrock biblical concept of this, justification by faith. Justification by faith, meaning that you are justified before God. And the word justify means to be declared righteous. I know many of you sitting here today, this may not land as weighty to you, but let me give you a picture for anyone that has ever been in front of a judge. It didn't have to be anything serious. Maybe you just forgot some parking tickets. <laughs> but if you had to be in front of a judge, right? Either pay for it or get off scot-free. How many know most of you would decide or want or desire to be let off scot-free? Okay. But just you in that courtroom facing the judge holds enough weight. Can I tell you, this is what Christ did for me, did for us. So when we say justified by faith, do you know what you're deciding? You're deciding to choose to believe what Jesus did was for you. 
and you got off scot-free. So meaning that we are not guilty. Meaning that we are entirely pleasing to God. Let that sink in for a second. You are entirely pleasing to God. Now it takes a revelation of Christ in you to actually accept that statement right there. But hear me today, because of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, can I tell you that you are entirely pleasing to God. I've heard it said this way, that if God is going to look for his righteousness, guess what? He has, he has to look at you because you hold Christ in you. We have now become the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not guilty. You're entirely pleasing. Hey, and this wasn't done by your works, but by Jesus and his atoning work on the cross if you're in here and you receive the very life of Christ, then guess what? You are justified by faith. The reason why this is important, because so many Christians, they live back and forth, back and forth kind of lives, that they experience that grace, and one day they realize that they have been justified by faith, but because of what they're not good at yet, meaning walking out in maturity uh, as it pertains to God in them, guess what? They go back to trying to work for themselves and trying to obtain and access blessing, favor, salvation on their works. But it's not about your works. It's not about your works. It's not about what you can do or what you can't do. It's all about what Jesus accomplished. And this freedom supersedes anything, any nation, or, or person can provide for you. And, and, and I'm really encouraged by this today because did you know this kind of freedom supersedes every statistic, every study, or diagnosis of who you are? This is the kind of freedom that transforms from the inside out. Let me put it to you like this. This is the kind of freedom that you actually get your life back. And I've heard people often say this, that, wow, now I can choose. Because under religion, you had no choice. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to think. They tell you how to say it. And, and they tell you how to act it out. But in Christ, in Christ, as Christ is in me, as I'm maturing in this, as I'm growing in this, do you know that you're led by the Holy Spirit and he teaches you and, 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 and introduces you to new things that you wouldn't otherwise do? This is what being led is all about. So this is the freedom that supersedes anything. But what does that mean for my everyday life? Because, Pastor, you talk about freedom. You talk about being free. You talk about being empowered. You're talking about being able to endure through tough situations. What does this mean for my everyday life? And, and I believe that the answer is in our next question. Here it is. Write this down. What am I free from? What am I free from? I think part of our journey as Christians is learning what we're free from. And as you continue to grow in the grace of God, you'll learn that a lot of things that you thought you were free in, you were actually bound to. And you actually learn that you were, you're free from it. But there's a lot that we're free from in Christ. But let, let's focus on three 
main issues, okay? First one is this. Am I free from the penalty of sin? Now, this is a grace church. I'm not surprising you with anything. Are you free from the penalty of sin? Absolutely you are, because when Jesus hung on the the cross, his last words were what? It is finished. Did you know the Greek word for it is finished? That phrase is translated today as paid in full. Paid in full. Meaning that you had a debt to pay. But because Christ hung on the cross for you and I, that debt was paid in full. So let me give you a picture because anytime you go to the store and you pay for something, you get a receipt. That receipt says what you bought and how much you paid for it. Another way I can put it, it's your receipt that says paid in full. At the cross, there was a transaction that happened. And what Jesus did was gave his life. And can I tell you, we have the receipt today that says paid in full. And I'm telling you right now that so when Jesus said it is finished, he was declaring that his payment for our sin was complete and it was infinite. We're in Christ. It is finished. Okay, here's the second one. I am free from the bondage of sin. You're free from the bondage of sin. You know what I've learned in ministry? that Christians make an occupation of fighting sin. (laughs) Christians do a great job of making an occupation of fighting sin. What do I mean by that? They're always paranoid about being tempted. They're always paranoid about sin. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't come so that you could be paranoid every day. He came and gave his life to you so that you can rule and reign with his authority. That even the thought of sin won't come into your mind because you're so engulfed and enamored with what Jesus has done for you. That's the Christ life. The Christ life is not intended for you to be tempted and be paranoid and be looking around the corner every second of the day regarding sin. Your fight, can I tell you, church, is not against sin. Quit making an occupation of fighting sin. Because as we rest in Jesus and what he actually accomplished for us, we will learn that the sin problem was dealt with. The sin issue was dealt with. And now we live fully alive to God. He in us and us in him. And we live this life bearing fruit every single day. Peace, kindness, love. We could even endure tough times. We learned that that thing back there was just a cheap imitation of Christianity. But the Christ life really is about learning how to rule and reign in this world. It is. So am I free from the bondage of sin? Yes. Notice what Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says. Here it is. Christ has liberated you. If you remember anything today, remember that one. Christ has liberated you to be free. Can you just say that? I am free. It feels good saying it. Say it one more time. I am free. Christ has liberated you to be free. Stand firm 
and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. There it is. The freedom Jesus secured for you and I with his blood is intended to keep you and I free from being a slave to any sin in our life. And I'm not talking about, you know, about sinless perfection. No one is perfect except for Jesus. But what I am talking about is being in bondage to our flesh, right? The desires, the sin is being in bondage to those things. What, what are those things? I can tell you, they're, they're subtle and they're even big. But what are those? Some of us have been bondage to fear. We just fear all day long and we worry and it holds us trapped. It keeps us in a box, experiencing no freedom, experiencing no God-given dreams, none of that. Well, some of us are, have bondage to, to work, success. We're just working, working, and working, not enjoying what God has brought in our lives, not resting in the fact that he holds our future. We're just working, working, and losing our families and losing our minds. We're just continually working. But bondage to anything that is controlling you other than being under the control and dominance of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, it is bondage. And if you are in bondage, if you're caught in the snare of a sin habit, that is not what Jesus intended for your life. That's not why he saved you. This is not what he died for. He wants you to experience all the freedom and joy and peace a person can possibly have. That's his MO. That's his agenda. Can you gain the freedom that Christ died to secure for you? If you have not just been saved from something, but listen to me, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. You've not just been saved from something, but you have been saved for something. And God has put something in each of us and put us here on this earth. But it, it's only when we learn the freedom that we have in Christ, that we get to experience those things that he put on the inside of us. Because out of those places, can I tell you, you can say bye to fear. Out of that understanding, you can say bye to worry. Out of that understanding, you can begin to see what Jesus sees for you in your life. Okay, here's the third one. Am I free from the burden of the law? And when I say the law, listen, I'm not talking about Texas state or the U.S. laws. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Old Testament law. Do you understand that Jesus came to fulfill that law? Do you understand that you could never accomplish that law? No matter on your best day, you still couldn't do it. If you acted everything out the way you wanted it to be done, you'll still have a thought and you didn't meet that measurement. There was no way you could keep the law. We've talked about this in our gospel circles, but the law is holy. The law is perfect. It's absolutely everything that is right with God. But it's no way to relate to God. The law was there as a schoolmaster to teach humanity right versus wrong. And so many people get caught up in the right versus wrong. But remember, there was another tree in the garden. It's not good versus evil, but there was a tree of life. 
And do you know the more that we feed off the tree of life, the more we prove the law is perfect without even trying. (laughs) The more you feed off the tree of life, do you understand that you will bear fruit in every season? While people make a big deal out of good versus evil, hear me, that is not your fight. Our fight, which Paul explained to us, is considered a good fight. The good fight of faith, which means that you won. If it's good, it means that you have the victory. It means that you start from the finish line. It means that Jesus won it and gave it to you. But what's the good fight of faith? The good fight of faith is deciding what I believe every day. Am I going to believe that Jesus and his accomplishment on the cross was good enough? Or... Am I not going to believe it was good enough and I still have work to do and prove myself to God? It's your choice. It's your choice. And I'm telling you that what Jesus intended for us in our lives is that we would rest in his finished work. And and we yes, we are justified before God and we are saved and we have right standing with God. And, and, and understand me when I say this, when we speak about the law, there are some out, those, uh, out there that, that, that think that, yes, you need faith. Yes, but you needed something more. You must keep and, and obey the Testament law of Moses. And, and the inescapable result of their doctrine is this, that Jesus' blood was not enough. That's what they're saying. And and there are still many believers today that think that way. And can I tell you, this is why I need the gospel, because there are times when I feel like I have to earn some things. And and I can easily slip back right back into that kind of work. And this is why I need the gospel every day, because I'm reminded that I have right standing with God. I'm reminded that good things come from God. I'm reminded that grace not only saves me, but it keeps me and it carries me, that it's carrying me from one place to the next. I have to remind myself that Jesus took me out of the equation and all the work, as Jesus said in the Bible, you want to work? Here it is, church, believe. Just believe that what he did was good enough. It was good enough. It was good enough. And this is the dangerous part that if we don't believe that his work is good enough, we're going to end up doing dead works. There's dead works and good works. Everybody say good works. I don't want you to repeat the word dead works. Isn't that what you do? But do you want to know what dead works are? Dead works are anything you do to earn God's love and acceptance and blessings. Okay, say good works. Good works are anything you do as a result of God's love, favor, kindness, and his blessings. You know what I find interesting about that is you can have Two people right here, North Fort Worth, worshiping. One is doing it out of a place of earning, but the other one is doing it at a place of, as a result of God's love. And although it looks the same on the outside, on the inside, that's what matters. And didn't God... Say, hey, I'm the one that judges. I don't judge on the outside. 
I judge what's on the inside. It's our hearts that are in posture towards God. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, For you are saved by grace through faith. That alone, that alone right there can change someone's life. You are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it, but it is a gift from God. And that's what makes this such good news for you and I. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus your prayer time. It's not Jesus plus your theology. It's not Jesus plus your volunteering at church. It's none of that. It's Jesus, period. And the reason why we have Bible study, the reason why we pray, the reason why we serve at a local church, why? Good works as a result of God's blessing and kindness and favor. So someone hearing this might to themselves, well, I'll just do whatever I want to do then, right? Is that how this works now? But that's where verse 10 comes in. Come on, read it again for yourself. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. (laughs) we're not saved by good works no we're saved for good works for good works and you know what happens as I've learned this as you continue to grow in this do you know what happens that the Holy Spirit the appetite for good works grows and grows and grows and grows and your desire it grows and grows and grows, not out of obligation, but here it is, out of gratification. <laughs> being grateful for everything that God has done, being grateful for what he's doing in my life, being grateful, being grateful for the future that I have in Christ. And if you're glad for that, come on, give Jesus some praise. All right, number three, write this down. Last question. What am I free for? What am I free for? Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, here it is. For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another. Here it is, through love. Through love. Serve one another through love. There it is again. The higher path, is the path of humility. Christians, can I let you off the hook for a second? Can I do it? You don't make yourself become humble. Every time I grew up in church, they always talk about be humble, be humble, be humble. And yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. But their way of teaching me was all wrong. You can't produce on your own humbleness. We know that humbleness is important, right? Because, right, God opposes the proud, blesses the humble, right? That's what the Bible says. 
But how do you, how do we stay humble? Well, I believe you have to answer these questions correctly. Because when you see Jesus as your accomplishment on the cross and him giving his life to you, do you know what happens? The result of that is humbleness. Wow, God, you did this for me. And the natural thing that happens after you realize that what he did was good enough is humbleness. This is important because, listen, I don't want a generation growing up where they have to go and wail and beg God for humbleness. That's not what humbleness is. Matter of fact, that's opposite. That's pride. The fact that they think that they can gain humbleness based on their works, that is proud, proudful. That's pride. That's being proud. But I'm telling you right here, right now, that being humble is all about receiving God's blessing and kindness and life. And hear me, because of that, this is the path that you and I have, serving others, loving others. The more I awaken to the love of Jesus, the more I want to love others and serve them, the more deeper that I get into this, do you understand that I see people differently? Can I be honest? If you are in a position of leadership at your job, maybe family, in ministry, ministers are, are this is a, a dangerous area to be in when you don't have a Christ in you revelation. Here's why. Because without realizing it, you can quickly take advantage of the people that God sent you. And what ends up happening is they mold and form into this, this community that is all about pleasing the pastor. And all, hear me, there's honor that we should give when it comes to pastors and leadership and people around us. I understand that. But it can quickly, easy turn to manipulation. And the more that I'm in this, the more I realize that we're on the same page. Meaning that I can't see you any different than Jesus sees you. Okay, I see the gift in you. And just because I have this platform doesn't make me any higher and it doesn't make you any less. And for those in leadership, it doesn't make those under you any less. What you begin to see is the gift inside of people. And you see them for who they are. And you treat them as Jesus would treat them. And I believe that's what God intended for a community like this. A grace-filled, gospel-centered community where I see the best in you. Because of Christ Jesus, I give you benefit of the doubt. I see God's promises before I doubt you. I see the thing that God placed in you. 
And this is how we are supposed to use our freedom to love and serve one another. And, and what a beautiful picture that Jesus gave us when it comes to serving one another. Right here in John chapter 13, look at what Jesus did as he washed his disciples' feet, the ultimate act of servanthood of that day. Look what he did. He washed their feet. He blessed them. He washed all the grime, the dirt off their feet. They weren't going to stay clean, y'all. Because the minute they go back out, their feet are going to get dirty. So can I go on and say that we serve love out of a place of not needing anything from people? Not expecting anything? So here's a couple of things that I jotted down. Just by seeing Jesus wash his disciples' feet, you could write these down as well. I use my freedom to serve others in love. As sons and daughters of God, we serve, and to serve is to love. As sons and daughters, we get to serve from being a family member of God. Jesus deeply loved his disciples and that's what motivated him from start to finish. And then later on, Paul says that love compels him. Love compels him. Everything that he does as he advanced the gospel, everything that he did, he was compelled by love. John chapter 13 verse 1 says it like this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That's quite a statement, and that's what Jesus was all about, and that's what he was showing his disciples. He was showing them the full extent of how much he loved them. Think about that for just a second. He already loved them in many ways. He chose them. He taught them. He developed them as leaders. He did miracles for them. But here it says that the full extent of his love was shown through his acts of servanthood. <laughs> first John 4:19, one of my favorite verses. We love because he first loved us. What's going to allow you to love unconditionally? You first have to recognize that you've been loved unconditionally. Not just know it, not just know it. Not just know it, but you can, you, you receive it for yourself. Not just know it up here, but you receive it for yourself. Like you see yourself loved. I, I think we treat people the way we see ourselves most of the time. But when you start to see yourself loved by God, approved by God, accepted by God, that, that you are in right standing with God, that that that. That, that God loves you without a question, no doubt. When you begin to see yourself like that, can I tell you, the, the, the result of that is loving others around you. And can I tell you, nothing changes around you until it changes in you. I've seen this time and time again, many people walking in and, and, and hearing the gospel. The later they come back and say, I got a revelation from Jesus of Christ in me. I'm empowered. Everything is shifting around my life. Everything is changing. I've heard of marriages being restored 
And it started from receiving God's love first. And then from there, it just, from the inside out, God is contagious. God's love is contagious. People know when they experience a genuine, authentic God kind of love. They know it. They know it. Then You don't even have to say it. You, it's, it's in you. It, you carry the presence. So when you walk in there with an unconditional kind of love, can I tell you, they, they realize it. They notice it. You don't have to hold a banner over your head that says, I'm here to love you. I'm here to serve you. They know. They know. We love because he first loved us. Can I tell you, that's the cause and the effect of of what we're looking for. That's how it works. You see, in much the same way that we forgive based on the forgiveness that we receive from God, this is true in the general overall sense of anything, anything we do as believers. You can't dish out or you can't give what you haven't first received. No way. No way. Every week we meet as a team right here at our Dream Team Rally. And before we even open the doors, we remind each other of what God thinks about us. And then we remind each other, don't we? We remind each other that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present on the inside of us. And we're not half-empty Christians. We are full, anointed Christians. Now imagine that if you took that understanding in your everyday life. Because most battles are won or lost right here. And if Jesus is convinced about you, then the only convincing that needs to happen is right here. And I spend at least 20 minutes of my day realigning myself to what heaven thinks about me. Why do I do that? It's not, it's not to earn anything. It's not even to get anything. Do you want to know what it is? It's because I know God has called me to something that's outside of my reach right now. The same thing goes for you. God has called you to something that is outside of your reach right now. And to get in those places where you realign yourself with heaven, you're saying, God, I want to see what you see. I want to know what you know. Because without that, I can't move another step forward. There's no strategy. There's no perfect plan. Most of the good ideas and most of the things come from your garden, your time with Jesus. So we have to remind each other. You got right standing with God. Do you know what happens after that? Instead of you fighting for position and you fighting to go get you and you fighting for hustle and hustle this, hustle that, I'm working, I'm working, I'm gaining, I'm gaining. Do you know what happens? You actually become okay with being where you're at. The fruit of the Spirit includes patience. And you allow God to bring you things because we know When God brings us things, those things are worth way more. And they last way longer. And you don't have to maintain it because it's maintained through the Spirit. But when you try to force your way through, when you try to make things happen, 
logically and reasoning all by yourself, those things you have to maintain. And those things make us tired and worn out. But whatever is birthed in the flesh, whatever is conceived in the spirit, can I tell you, those things last. Those things are eternal. The things of the spirit, they last. Okay, here we go. Because I'm free. I use my freedom to serve others in humility. The biblical word for humility means this, to stoop low. In fact, the Old Testament, this is exactly the picture God used to express what grace looks like. The closest word we have to grace in the Hebrew language is this, to stoop. (laughs) And isn't that what Jesus did when he was washing his disciples' feet? He got low. And this is quite literally what Jesus did for his disciples in humility, stooping low to serve others, bringing us full circle back to our key verse in Galatians chapter 5 as we began, serve one another humbly in love. In love. And, And one of those things God has taught me is really something that I've known for many years, but it's been brought to a whole new depth and a whole new meaning is this. And it's that humility is the true mark of a person and a church that is growing in God's grace. I love it. Because humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather humility is thinking of yourself less. And so this Freedom Weekend, let's celebrate the truth that you and I are free. We're free indeed. We're free in Christ. You know how free you are? You're so free that you can go lay hands on people and declare their freedom. You want to know how free you are? You're so free that we can declare this mission of declare and demonstrate the gospel to everyone around us every single day. We're so free that you and I can be generous. We're so free that you and I can build a business. We're so free today that we can bless others. We're so free that we can multiply as a community. We're so free that you and I can hope no matter what is happening around us. We're so free that this freedom that we talk about, that we understand, it sets people free. And no one can set people free like free people. Right there where you are, could you lift your hands? Come on, you're free indeed. You're free in Christ. This is what Christ came to do, to set you free from any requirements that you may have on yourself. Experience his freedom today, his everlasting grace today. It's for you. It's for your family. It's for you can continue to walk in God's grace and learn what the Holy Spirit desires to to teach you. It's this freedom that helps us. It's this freedom that empowers us. It's this freedom that allows us to rule and reign in God's kingdom. It's this freedom that brings heaven to earth. It's this freedom that is our reality today. No, don't make an occupation out of fighting sin. You've been free. As a son and as a daughter, you are free indeed. Heavenly Father, thank you that today we can celebrate freedom, freedom for our soul, that we're not trapped, 
Lord, we're not in bondage today, but we are free in the Son. Where Christ is, there is a spirit of freedom. Lord, I declare over each and every one of my friends and I remind them that the spirit that God gave them is not a fearful spirit, but the spirit that they possess right now has power, love, and I declare this, sound thinking. That in the moments of questioning who they are, thank you that your Holy Spirit comes to minister to us and reminds us who we are. I thank you, Jesus, that today we can declare this freedom, we can believe it, that we can receive it, that we can walk it out. And Lord, I thank you for your church today. I thank you that as we see ourselves free, that we will be free to serve others, not needing anything, no accolades, no validation, that we're simply doing it out of place of being validated and accepted by the Most High. I thank you for it in Jesus' name.